Chapter 6, Jolly Jack and the Amazing Annie. As the orchestra played, Mr. Wilson guided Jack and Annie through the backstage area. Watch out, kids, he said. Like I said before, it's a tough crowd out there tonight. Jack smiled confidently. No crowd is too tough for us, he thought. Hank and Butch set the table with Jack and Annie's prop center stage behind the closed curtain. The stage was lit with a soft, rosy light. Places, called Mr. Wilson. Jack and Annie nodded and calmly took their places in front of the table. They heard a long drum roll, then a cymbal crash. They heard Mr. Dewey speaking to the audience from in front of the curtain. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the great Houdini show. I have a very special and wonderful surprise for you this evening. As you may know, the Bambini brothers were scheduled to be our opening act, but instead it will be your great Good fortune to welcome a truly remarkable pair of young illusionists. These master magicians have performed in theaters all around the world, and tonight they are here to perform for you. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Jolly Jack and the amazing Annie. A trumpet blasted, the curtain rose, and the crowd clapped and whistled as Jack and Annie stepped into a yellow spotlight. Looking out at the audience, Jack chuckled like a seasoned performer. His heart pounded, but not with fear. It pounded with an excitement that made him want to do his best. Good evening, friends, Jack shouted over the applause. They call me Jolly Jack because nothing brings me greater joy than entertaining folks like you. And they call my sister Amazing Annie because... Jack held his gloved hand out toward Annie. I love to amaze you with my amazing ability to amaze you, Annie shouted. The cymbals crashed. The crowd laughed. Do not let our youthful appearance fool you, Annie went on. My brother and I have traveled the globe to discover mysteries both ancient and modern. Jack took off his top hat and turned it toward the crowd. I direct your attention to my hat he said. As you can see, the inside is quite ordinary, but strange things happen with this hat, especially when I touch it with a wand given to us by an Arabian princess. Jack looked around. Oh dear, I seem to have forgotten my wand. Annie stepped forward. She swept her white right arm in front of her and presto, a wand appeared in her hand. Jack knew that when she waved her arm, she had simply allowed one of the hidden wands to slip from her sleeve. The cymbals crashed, the crowd cheered, Annie grinned triumphantly and bowed. While Annie was distracting everyone, Jack casually put his hat upside down on the velvet tabletop over one of the hidden trap doors. As he set the hat down, he pressed on the trap door and it flapped open. Thank you, amazing Annie, Jack called. Annie handed Jack the wand and he stepped back and waved it around the brim of the top hat. The crowd grew quiet. In a deep, mysterious voice, Jack intoned, Zoom, Bali, win, do, chi, gone, hey, which means, oh marvelous hat, what do you have for me today? Jack tapped the hat, stepped back from the table, and turned to Annie. My dear, may I ask you to check my hat, please? He said. I have a feeling it holds a surprise. There was a drum roll as Annie slowly reached into the hat. Jack knew she was pushing down on the top of the hat, which also had a secret flap. A small white rabbit suddenly leapt from the secret compartment, through the hat, and into Annie's arms. The orchestra played triumphant music, and the audience cheered. Two more rabbits jumped out. 
Each time, Annie caught the rabbits and pretended to be surprised. The cymbals crashed. The audience laughed and clapped. Annie handed the rabbits to Hank and Butch, who carried them off stage. Then she took off her own hat. Ladies and gentlemen, she shouted, as you can see, my hat is as empty as my brother's was. She showed the inside of the hat to the audience, but it also holds wonders. Annie set her hat on the table besides Jack's, carefully placing it on top of the second hidden door. Oh, I'm going to need another wand, she said. This time, she swept her left arm in front of her, and presto, the second wand appeared in her hand. As the crowd applauded, Annie waved the wand over her hat. In a strange voice, she said, Zoom, Bali, hula, hula, hi, ho, hey, which means, Oh, wondrous hat, send new friends our way. Jack reached into the hat, pushed down on the secret flap, then gently lifted out a dove. As the crowd cheered and clapped, he reached in again and took out the second dove. Jack handed the birds to Annie. They perched on her fingers as she lifted her hands into the air. The birds flapped their wings, bowing to the audience. The cymbals crashed. The crowd cheered and clapped. While Annie distracted the crowd with the birds, Jack scooped the deck of cards off the table and stepped into the shadows. Behind his back, he divided the deck equally. Then he hid the two halves in the palms of his hands. Annie gave the doves to Hank and Butch. Then she turned back to the crowd. I believe my brother has something to share with you now, Annie shouted. Jolly Jack! Jack took Annie's place in the spotlight. Are there any card players in the house? He called. Many in the audience raised their hands. Some laughed loudly and teased each other. Well then, my friends, said Jack, my strong advice to you tonight is never play cards with a magician. As he spoke, he secretly gripped the edge of the card stack in his right hand. Using his thumb, he expertly inched the top card up until it was just behind his fingers. All the while, Jack kept talking. But oddly, some folks are foolish enough to challenge me to a game. Therefore, I never travel anywhere without a deck. But I prefer my cards to remain invisible until I am ready to use them. Jack then raised his right hand and flipped out the card, pretending to pluck it out of the air. The audience gasped. Symbols clashed. Of course, you can't play a card game with only one card, Jack said. He reached into the air with his left hand. Ah, oh, good. Here is another. And another. And another. The drummer pounded his drums each time Jack appeared to snatch a card from the air. He produced card after card. What's this? Another? Another? Finally, he said, my goodness, I seem to have gathered an entire deck. Who wants to play a game? The cymbals crashed. The crowd cheered and Jack bowed. Annie stepped into the spotlight, holding up three large rings. Once upon a time, in a palace in China, we learned the ancient art of magic rings, she said. Jack knew that one of the rings had a tiny opening in it. Annie hid the opening between her thumb and index finger so no one could see it. These are three solid rings, Annie told the crowd. There is no way on earth to link them together. She banged the rings against one another, making a show of trying to fit them together. Each time, she failed. Jack stepped forward. 
but deep in the palace of the emperor, he said. A Chinese sage taught us a magical song. Jack waved his hand over the first ring and said, Hong, 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 hong. Annie banged the rings together again. This time, she slipped the solid rings through the hidden opening in the other ring. Her hands moved so swiftly, no one could see what she was doing. Once again, the magic song has worked, she shouted, holding up the three connected rings. Symbols crashed. As the crowd applauded, Annie, Annie easily disconnected the rings. Then she tossed the two solid ones high into the air. When they came down, she caught them so they slipped perfectly through the tiny opening of the third ring. Annie held up the connected rings, and the orchestra played triumphant music. As she bowed, the audience clapped and cheered wildly. Jack joined her in the spotlight. You have been most agreeable and welcoming tonight, he shouted. We will think of you fondly for years to come, but now we must leave you. During intermission, you can prepare your minds and nerves in anticipation of the most amazing escape artist of all time, the great Houdini. Trumpets sounded. Everyone cheered and stamped their feet. Jack and Annie each bowed with a flourish. They raised their top hats to the crowd. Then, laughing and waving, they ran off stage and the curtain came down. Chapter 7. Hurry up, Houdini. Well, my dear, said Annie, we did it. We were brilliant, said Jack. Smiling, they pulled off their white gloves and grabbed their top hats. Hank and Butch quickly appeared and carried away their table and props. Good show, good show, they said. Thanks, guys, said Jack, pulling off his bow tie. What time is it? Annie asked. Jack pulled out his pocket watch. 8.48, he said. Our timing was perfect. We even have 17 minutes of magic left over. And Houdini should be in his dressing room now, since he goes on at nine, said Annie. While we're still great magicians, should we try to talk to him? Maybe even show him a trick or two? Yes, said Jack. Jack and Annie hurried off the stage. When they reached the dressing rooms, they found Mr. Dewey outside Houdini's door. He was pacing up and down, wringing his hands. He's not here, he cried. He's not here. Who, said Jack. Houdini, said Annie. Who else, shouted Mr. Dewey. He's not here. N-O-T-H-E-R-E. Where is he? What's happened to him? Asked Jack. Who knows, cried Mr. Dewey. All I know is that this is a disaster. The hooligans will demand their money back and probably tear the theater apart. I'm facing ruin, disgrace, all is lost. The stage door banged open and Mr. Wilson rushed in. No sign of him outside, boss, he said. Oh, Wilson, cried Mr. Dewey. We're doomed, we're doomed. Mr. Wilson nodded grimly. Jack looked at his pocket watch. Ten to nine, he said. He could still make it in time. Mr. Dewey raised his arms in the air, as if calling out to Houdini wherever he was. Hurry up, Houdini! Hurry up! He cried. Then he buried his head in his hands. Oh, brother, thought Jack. Mr. Dewey was nuts. But where was Houdini? He and Annie needed him too, or they'd never learn a secret of greatness from him. Listen, kids, if he's not here by nine, you'll have to go back out, Mr. Wilson said to Jack and Annie. Back out where, said Jack. On stage, said Mr. Wilson. Mr. Dewey looked up. Yes, he cried. You said you knew hundreds of tricks. Just keep performing till he shows up. If he shows up, hold the crowd till he comes. Hold him if he doesn't come. Save me. I'll pay you. No, no, you don't have to do that, said Annie. We're happy to help. 
Annie, stop, Jack whispered. Our magic hour's almost up. He looked back at the theater owner. I'm sorry, but I'm afraid we can't go back out there. You must, you must, said Mr. Dewey. They love you. Go out and save my theater. Save my life, please. Whoa, take it easy, Jack said, trying to calm the hysterical man. He didn't know what else to say. Don't worry, Mr. Dewey. We'll help, said Annie. Thank you, cried Mr. Dewey. I'll look for Houdini outside. Mr. Dewey hurried away. Mr. Wilson called to his crew and told them to put the rabbits and birds back in the hidden compartments of the table. Let's talk, Jack said to Annie. They slipped into their dressing room and Jack closed the door. I know you said yes only because Mr. Dewey was losing his mind, said Jack, but I don't see how we can do this. Well, if we go on at nine, we'll have five good minutes, said Annie. I know, but what if Houdini's still not here after five good minutes, said Jack. Maybe we could hold their attention some other way, said Annie. We could at least try. Hmm, Jack thought for a moment. Actually, maybe we can get away with doing the same tricks we did before, he said. Now that we know how they work, they shouldn't be that hard. We know how to push on the tops of the hats. We know about the hidden compartments in the table. We know about the opening in the ring. Yeah, right, right, easy, said Annie. You can keep doing card tricks, and I can keep throwing the rings around. Mr. Wilson opened the door, and sounds from the audience filled the room. Jack could hear feet stamping and people chanting, Houdini! Houdini! Everything's back on stage, said Mr. Wilson. Ready to tame the lions? Jack still felt the confidence that came from being a great magician. Showtime, he said. No problem, said Annie. Jack and Annie left the dressing room and followed Mr. Wilson through the backstage area. Dewey's out on the avenue looking for Houdini, said Mr. Wilson. Take your places and I'll pull the curtain. Jack and Annie strode onto the stage and stood in front of the table. Jack looked at his pocket watch. It was nine o'clock. The curtain rose to great fanfare. The audience clapped and cheered. It took a moment for everyone to realize they were looking at Jack and Annie again. After a stunned silence, some people started booing and hissing. Jack stepped forward. He tipped his hat and laughed his jolly laugh. What a terrible surprise, eh? He shouted. You didn't know Jolly Jack is the secret identity of the great Houdini, did you? More booing and hissing. Seriously, folks, I understand your disappointment, said Jack, but the world's greatest magician is preparing himself backstage right now to give you the best show you've ever seen. So please allow Jolly Jack and the amazing Annie to entertain you for a few more minutes. The audience quieted down, but then someone yelled, We want Houdini! Take it outside, pal, said Jack. So do we. The audience laughed. Jack turned to Annie. The wand, sister dear? Annie expertly dropped the wand down her sleeve into her hand. The cymbals crashed. But this time, there wasn't much applause. Annie gave the wand to Jack. As he placed his hat over the hidden compartment on the table, he secretly pushed down on the trap door. Jack then waved the wand around the brim of the hat. He opened his mouth to speak, but suddenly, horribly, he couldn't think of anything to say. Holding the wand in midair, Jack turned to Annie. She looked confused too. Their hour of being great stage magicians had ended. The magic was over. Some people yelled from the audience. Jack felt embarrassed and self-conscious. He couldn't believe he was trying to perform magic in front of a gazillion people. It was like a nightmare. He couldn't move or speak. 
Annie rushed over. She reached into Jack's hat and pushed down on the top. Out jumped the rabbits. One, two, three. But this time, Annie couldn't catch them, and they jumped to the floor and hopped around the stage. The audience laughed and booed. Annie put her hat over the second trapdoor and pushed down on the top. Out flew the birds. They circled above the table while Annie grinned foolishly. See? Magic doves! Again, she said. The stagehands came out and tried to gather up all the creatures. The audience booed. The musicians didn't know what to do. They played random violin squeaks, drum sounds, and trumpet wails. Jack grabbed the deck of cards. Um, are there still some card players here? He said. He thrust out his arm. Instead of a card appearing in his hand, the whole deck flew into the air. Blah, played the trombone. Annie grabbed the three silver rings, but she fumbled them too, and they clattered to the floor. Again, the trombone played, Blah! The audience laughed her and booing had turned to shouting, Houdini! Houdini! People stamped their feet. Mr. Wilson yelled from the wings, Different tricks, kids! Do something new! Jack was desperate to leave the stage. He grabbed Annie by the arm. Let's get out of here, he said. Wait, she said, squinting out at the crowd. Listen. Jack heard people yelling, Hooray! Then he heard cheers and clapping. Has Houdini arrived? Jack wondered. The audience clapped and chanted louder than ever, Houdini! Houdini! Mr. Dewey was leading a man and woman down the aisle toward the stage. The woman's hat was piled high with bananas and roses. Is that Bess? said Jack. Yes, said Annie. It's Bess and Harry. How weird. What are they doing? said Jack. Are they coming to help us? Mr. Dewey led Bess and Harry onto the stage. Bess rushed over to Jack and Annie. What are you two doing here? She said to them. What are you two doing here? Said Annie. We got trapped on the trip to the moon. The gears got stuck, said Bess. So you kids are performers? We were just filling in for the Bambini brothers, said Jack. And then, hey, what's Harry doing? Said Annie. Harry had walked down to the footlights. He was bowing to the crowd, and the audience was screaming and cheering. Harry raised his hands to quiet them. Then he motioned to Jack and Annie. Come here, kiddos, he said. Jack and Annie walked downstage. Harry put one arm around Jack's shoulders and the other around Annie's. Then he looked back out at the crowd. Folks, wasn't that the worst magic act you've ever seen? Ha! It's all part of the show. I asked my young friends to warm you up for me, and that they did. Now I think you're ready. No? Yes! The audience screamed. Yes! Harry looked from Annie to Jack. You can relax now, kiddos, he said. The great Houdini has arrived. Chapter 8, Master of Escape. You? You? breathed Annie. You're the great Houdini, said Jack. He couldn't believe it. Just give us a moment to set up our show, Houdini shouted to the audience. Sit tight and we'll be back quick as a wink. In the meantime, how about a nice, ha nice hand for these funny little magicians? Music played. Jack and Annie bowed. The crowd roared enthusiastically and the red curtain came down. Bess rushed over to Jack and Annie. Thanks for helping us out, she said. We had no idea you had a comedy act, Harry said. We had no idea you were the great Houdini, said Annie. That's what we figured, said Bess. Forgive us for having a little fun with you two. Harry, hurry, Mr. Dewey said. The theater owner led Houdini back to his dressing room. 
Thanks again, you crazy kids, for covering for us, said Bess, hugging Jack and Annie. Everyone, please clear the stage, Mr. Wilson said. We have to reset. Stick around and watch us, Bess said to Jack and Annie. She guided them to a couple of chairs just off stage. Sit here. I have to help Harry. She hurried back to the dressing room. As crowd noises filled the theater, Annie turned to Jack. Can you believe it, she said. No, I can't. I can't believe it, said Jack. He was in a daze. Maybe we'll learn the secret of greatness from him now, said Annie, hopefully. Oh, right, said Jack. He pulled off his gloves and looked at the ring of truth on his finger. He hoped it would soon start to glow. While the Houdinis prepared for the show, the stagehands found all the rabbits and doves and put them back in their cages. They picked up the cards and rings and hauled the table away. Set Harry's cabinet center stage, Mr. Wilson called. Hank and Butch carried a wooden cabinet onto the stage. Black fab fabric covered three sides of it and a black curtain hung in front. Just as the audience began to stamp their feet, Mr. Dewey led the Houdinis out of their dressing room. Bess was wearing white tights and a short pleated dress. Her delicate face was framed by a ring of dark curls. Harry was dressed in an elegant black suit, his hair combed back neatly. The curtain rose and the orchestra played a rousing tune. Bess stood beside the cabinet while Harry stepped into a spotlight. For a long moment, he gazed intensely at the audience. When the noisy crowd grew quiet, he spoke in a voice that carried all the way to the back of the theater. Ladies and gentlemen, I, Harry Houdini, would like to make a bet with you. I'll bet a thousand dollars there is no lock that can hold me captive tonight. They don't call me the master of escape for nothing. From that moment on, Harry Houdini was the master of escape. As the orchestra played, he performed easily with humor and confidence. Several times during his act, he invited volunteers on stage to make sure all his locks were securely locked and all his knots were tightly tied. During his first trick, Houdini asked the audience volunteers to check three pairs of handcuffs that Bess had locked around his wrists. Then he stepped inside his cabinet. Bess closed the black curtain. Let's count to ten together, she called to the crowd. Everyone counted. One, two, three. On the count of ten, Houdini threw open the curtain, his handcuffs dangling from his hand. Jack and Annie gasped. How did he do that? Jack said. Harry did the trick again with a new level of difficulty. This time, Bess not only locked handcuffs around Houdini's wrist, she also wrapped chains around his ankles and secured them with padlocks. Again, excited volunteers made certain that all the locks were truly locked. When the black curtain closed, Bess asked everyone to count again. On the count of ten, Harry threw open the curtain, freed from his shackles and handcuffs. The crowd clapped and cheered. And now, he said, the master of escape will share with you his most thrilling and dangerous escape to date. Houdini dashed off stage. The orchestra played scary sounding music as Hank and Butch brought out a huge milk can and placed it inside the cabinet. Audience members whispered to each other as the stage hands filled the giant can with buckets of water. Harry then reappeared dressed in an old-fashioned black bathing suit. Bess put the three pairs of handcuffs around his wrists again. After volunteers checked the locks, Houdini climbed inside the milk can. Jack and Annie stood up to watch. 
Houdini lowered himself into the water until he was completely inside the can. Water splashed over the sides. Best then closed the lid, padlocked it, and pulled the black curtain. While the can was out of sight, the orchestra played tick-tock, tick-tock. Jack could hardly breathe as one minute went by. Two minutes. Someone in the audience cried out with alarm. How does Harry keep from drowning? Jack wondered anxiously. How can he undo handcuffs in such a tight space? Suddenly, Houdini threw back the curtain. He was standing in front of the milk can, dripping wet. He had escaped again. He stepped to the side and pointed to the lid of the can. It was still locked firmly in place. Bess brought Harry a red robe and the audience cheered. The orchestra played triumphant music. The whole time Houdini had been performing his tricks, Jack had listened carefully to everything he'd said. Ladies and gentlemen, my brain is the key that sets me free. Ladies and gentlemen, my chief task is to conquer fear. Ladies and gentlemen, an old trick in a new dress is always a pleasant change. Every time Houdini said something that sounded meaningful, Jack checked the ring of truth. He kept hoping that some secret of greatness would be revealed, but no matter what Harry said, the gold ring didn't glow. After the milk can trick, the stage crew replaced the can with a steamer trunk. Finally, for old time's sake, I close with the act that first made me famous, said Houdini. The drummer played a drum roll. Then Houdini shouted, the world-famous original metamorphosis in three seconds. For this amazing feat, I will share the spotlight with the one and only Mrs. Houdini. Harry took Bess's hand and she curtsied for the crowd. Years ago, I met this beautiful gal right here on Coney Island, Houdini said. I love her with all my heart, but now she must become my prisoner. The audience laughed as a stagehand brought out a short, thick rope. Harry quickly tied Bess's hands behind her back. Dear one, I must now ask you to step into this bag. Bess stepped into a large canvas bag and Houdini tied the bag at the top. With Hank and Butch's help, Houdini lifted Bess into the steamer trunk that had been placed inside the cabinet. Then Hank and Butch closed the trunk, wrapped it with the rope, and locked it with padlocks. After volunteers checked to see that the trunk was securely bound and locked, Houdini shouted, Behold a miracle! Remaining inside the cabinet with the trunk, Harry closed the black curtain. As the audience watched and waited, three loud claps rang out from behind the curtain. The curtain was thrown open. Bess stood in front of the roped and locked trunk, completely free. She quickly cut the rope around the trunk, unlocked the padlocks, untied the sack, and out jumped the great Houdini. Everyone leapt to their feet, applauding and roaring, Bravo! Bravo! Jack and Annie clapped and shouted with them as the Houdinis bowed again and again. Let me assure you, ladies and gentlemen, that I have shown you no supernatural powers tonight. Harry shouted, shouted, Please know that magic is all tricks. Everything you saw tonight was illusion. And Harry Houdini is the greatest master of illusion in the world, Jack thought. Jack's only disappointment was that all during the great Houdini show, the ring of truth had not glowed once, not even the tiniest bit. Chapter 9, The Real Story 
After the curtain closed, Jack could hear the joyful crowd leaving the theater. Mr. Dewey, Mr. Wilson, Butch, and Hank rushed from the wings to congratulate the Houdinis. Mr. Dewey actually went down on his knees to thank them. You have made my audience very happy, he exclaimed. And when my audience is happy, I am happy too. Great show, great show. Man, he's really lost it, Jack said. Annie laughed. Come on, I want to tell them great show too, she said. But as Jack and Annie started toward the Houdinis, some teenage boys rushed on stage ahead of them. Sorry, boys, said Mr. Wilson, stepping between the boys and the Houdinis. Mr. Houdini is exhausted from his magnificent performance. You'll have to buy a ticket and come back again. Come on, Harry, let's get you two out of here, Mr. Dewey said. As Mr. Dewey whisked Harry and Bess backstage, Jack and Annie followed them. Mr. Dewey ushered the couple into their dressing room. He hurried in after them and closed the door. Annie was about to knock, but Jack stopped her. Don't bother them yet, he said. Let them relax a minute first. We'll see them when they come out. Good idea, said Annie. Jack and Annie waited outside the Houdini's dressing room door as their crew cleared all the hooligan fans off the stage. They waited as Hank and Butch took away Houdini's cabinet, his milk can, and his steamer trunk. They waited as Mrs. Crenshaw collected the bird and rabbit cages and carried them away. They waited as Mr. Wilson slept the floor and turned off the stage lights. They should be relaxed by now, said Annie. No kidding, said Jack. He tapped softly on the door. There was no answer. Annie knocked louder. Bess? Harry? she called. Still, no one answered. Annie tried the handle, but the door was locked. They're gone, said Mr. Wilson, passing by Jack and Annie in the hall. Gone, said Annie. Yes, both the Houdinis left a while ago, the stage manager said. Left? How? asked Jack. He and Annie had been watching the door every minute. Mr. Dewey took them through the secret exit out of the star's dressing room, said Mr. Wilson. It goes through the basement and out of the theater. Otherwise, they'd be mobbed by all the crazy fans. So they're really gone, said Jack. They don't call Harry the master of escape for nothing, Mr. Wilson said. You'd better change out of your costumes and get going too. We'll be locking up the building soon. Jack and Annie walked down the hall and into their dressing room. I can't believe it, Annie wailed. We didn't even get to tell them great show. Worse than that, we didn't get to find out a secret of greatness, said Jack. He held up his finger with the ring of truth. The ring didn't glow all night. Well, I guess all we can do is get dressed and go look for them, said Annie. Jack and Annie quickly changed out of the tuxedos and back into their street clothes. Jack grabbed his bag and put his watch in the pocket of his pants. Come on, hurry, said Annie. She and Jack rushed out the back door of the theater. They ran down the dark alley, past the row of garbage cans, and out to the street. Surf Avenue was still bright with lights and just as busy as before. The sidewalks were still crowded with lots of people. The old-timey cars and horses and buggies filled the cobbled street. They could be anywhere, said Jack. They could even have gone home. Let's try Luna Park, said Annie. Why would they go back there, asked Jack, especially after getting trapped on their trip to the moon? I don't know. There's lots they might want to do there, said Annie. She gasped. Ice cream, Jack and Annie said together. At the same moment, they each remembered Bess saying, ice cream always comes after the show. To the ice cream stand, said Annie. And fast, said Jack. Jack and Annie took off up the street, dodging people along the way. 
They ran to the tall arches where ticket sellers and chariots were still welcoming people into Luna Park. Admission, 10 cents each, one said. Jack and Annie dumped the rest of their pennies into the ticket seller's hands. Then they took off, dashing up the broad avenue, weaving around couples and children and barkers on stilts and unicycles. When they came to the ice cream stand, they found a line of people waiting to buy cones. Panting, Jack looked up and down the line. The two Houdinis were nowhere to be seen. Jack's spirits fell, but Annie poked him. What? Jack said. Annie pointed at the terrace. Jack looked up. Harry and Bess were sitting on a bench side by side, holding ice cream cones. Their big hats hid their faces. Jack laughed. Now I get it. They wear those hats so fans won't recognize them, he said. Well, they can't fool us, said Annie. Come on. Annie and Jack headed over to the bench. When they were close, Annie put her finger to her lips. Jack understood what she meant. Without greeting Harry or Bess, Jack and Annie sat down next to them. Great ice cream, huh? said Annie. Great, said Bess, not looking up. Would you call it the greatest in the world? asked Jack. Tilting her head, Bess peeked out from under the brim of her hat. She laughed loudly. Hey, Harry, look, she exclaimed. It's our little friends. Harry raised his hat, then laughed too. The crazy kiddos, he said. So what's the story? What were you two doing up on that stage tonight? We just love to perform, said Annie with a giggle. We just love to make fools of ourselves, said Jack. Making a fool of yourself is a brave thing to do, Harry said, smiling. That's what Aristotle once told us, said Annie, more or less. Jack glanced at the ring of truth. It wasn't glowing. Mr. Houdini, someone said. A man stood in front of the bench. He started to clap. Oh, dear, murmured Bess. You were unbelievable tonight, the man said. I not, never saw anything like what you did. Other people turned to look. They recognized Harry, too, and began gathering in front of the bench, telling him how great he was. Harry finished his ice cream cone. Then he stood up and started shaking hands with his admirers. Bess shook her head and sighed. He's always nice to people, she said to Jack and Annie, no matter how tired he is. Harry's fans kept asking questions. How do you do it? How did you escape from those handcuffs? How'd you get out of that milk can? First of all, let me assure you again that I have no supernatural powers, said Harry. It's all illusion. These skills just happen to come easily to me. Always have. I remember when I was a kid, Jack looked at the ring of truth. Nothing. That's not the real story, Bess said quietly to Jack and Annie, her eyes twinkling. What is the real story? Annie asked her. Harry's always worked very, very hard, she said. He's worked all his life. When he was a little boy, he sold newspapers and flowers. He performed in the neighborhood children's circus. A few years later, he hopped trains and tried to get work in Milwaukee, Kansas City, New York. He practiced coin tricks and card tricks for hours every day. He read every book he could find on magic. He practiced and practiced and practiced. Those skills did not come naturally to him. They came from hard work and more practice than most people could endure. Jack thought about he and Annie had only done their magic tricks once with the help of the magic mist. No wonder they failed so spectacularly the second time. So his secret is hard work, said Annie. You've got it, kiddo, said Bess. But that's not such a big secret, is it? Anyone would have to work hard to be truly great at something. Yeah, they would, said Jack. 
Oh, wow, Annie whispered to Jack. She pointed at his hand. Jack looked down and smiled. The ring of truth was finally glowing. Chapter 10, Best Escape Act Ever. Annie grinned at Jack. Done, she whispered. Done, Jack agreed. Now we can leave. Harry and I have to go too, said Bess. I want to get him out of here before he attracts the wrong types. Hooligans and crazy fans, asked Annie. You got it, said Bess. Harry, she called. Time's up. Harry excused himself from the crowd of people and walked back to the bench. Thanks, sweetheart, he said. I couldn't escape. He winked at Bess, then looked at Jack and Annie. They think I do truly magical things, but it's not true. It's all just entertainment. It's all tricks. Harry's never seen anyone do a trick he couldn't do himself, said Bess. That's a fact, said Harry. Nothing ever. Amazing, said Annie. Amazing, yes, but it's also a great sadness, said Harry, frowning. The world's lost its wonder for me. I would be so happy just once to see a bit of magic I could never do or never explain. Really? said Jack. Yes, but it's not going to happen, Harry said with a sigh. Well, I'm ready, my love. Let's go home. Yes, let's, said Bess, standing. She looked at Jack and Annie. Which way are you two going? Just down that way, Jack said. And then he had a great idea. He smiled at Annie. Let's walk them as far as the Japanese tea garden. Annie's eyes lit up. She seemed to know what Jack was thinking. Good plan, she said. Sure, let's all go together, said Bess. Harry, Bess, Jack, and Annie all stepped down from the terrace and started up the broad avenue. The band was playing after the ball is over. The crowd had thinned out. The lights were starting to dim. What a fantastic park, said Harry. Did you try many rides? The pirate ship or the navy ship sailing the deep ocean? The Arctic trip? No, but we've done all those things before, said Jack. Did you get to experience the cyclone attraction too, said Bess? The volcano? The big fire? Actually, we've experienced all those things too, said Jack. Really? said Bess. So you must have been in this park a long time. No, I was talking about real life, Jack said matter-of-factly. My sister and I travel in a magic treehouse to different times and places and have lots of adventures. Annie grinned. Jack's telling the truth, she said. We've been all through time. Harry and Bess chuckled. Sounds like a good act, said Harry. It does, doesn't it? said Bess delightedly. Where else do you perform your act besides Coney Island? We don't really perform this act for anyone, said Annie. It's usually a secret. But we'll show it to you, said Jack. Lucky us, said Bess, winking at Harry. The treehouse is parked in the Japanese tea garden, said Annie. You want to see it? It'll only take a minute. Sure, why not, said Harry. Bess and Harry followed Jack and Annie over to the wooden gate that led to the Japanese tea garden. They followed them through the gateway, up the pebble path, and over the small arched bridge to the cluster of trees. There, said Annie. She pointed up at one of the trees. A tree house. Well, how about that, said Harry. He sounded genuinely surprised. I never knew that was there. That's because it's only been here for a few hours, said Annie. You want to watch us take off, asked Jack. Take off, said Bess. Yep, the treehouse is going to take us back home to Pennsylvania now, said Jack, to a time more than a hundred years from today. In the future, Annie added. Bess and Harry laughed. You two might be the looniest kids in the world, said Bess, or the best actors, said Harry. Wait and see, said Annie. She held out her hand. 
Bye, Harry. It's been great knowing you. Harry shook Annie's hand, and then he shook Jack's. Bess grabbed each of them and gave them big hugs. You two kiddos are great, she said, giggling. You're just my kind of screwballs. They all laughed. Then Jack and Annie climbed up the rope ladder. Inside the treehouse, Annie picked up the Pennsylvania book, and she and Jack looked out the window. Bye! They both waved to Harry and Bess. The Houdinis waved back. I wish we could go home, Annie whispered as she pointed to a picture of Frog Creek. Behold a miracle, Jack shouted down to Bess and Harry. He clapped three times. One, two, three. The wind started to blow. The treehouse started to spin. It spun faster and faster. Then everything was still, absolutely still. The Frog Creek woods were quiet and peaceful. The early evening light filtered into the treehouse. Jack and Annie were wearing their own clothes again. Now that was the best escape act ever, said Annie. Jack smiled. I wanted to make Harry happy. We showed him something he'll never be able to explain. Jack looked at his watch. As always, no time had passed in Frog Creek while they'd been on their mission. Six minutes to get home, said Jack. Yep, but first we have to write down our new secret of greatness, said Annie. Jack pulled out a pencil and picked up the paper that was still lying on the floor. And under the word humility, he wrote hard work. Hard work, said Annie. That's so simple. Yep, said Jack. Sometimes the truth is amazingly simple. He placed the ring of truth on top of the paper. I'll leave this too. He took the little bottle from his backpack and placed it beside the ring for next time. Mist gathered at first light on the first day of the new moon on the Isle of Avalon, said Annie. Jack closed his backpack. Okay, that's it. Let's go. Mom's hot dogs are waiting. Greatest in the world, said Annie. The two of them climbed down from the ladder and headed through the trees. You know what, said Annie. What, asked Jack. You know how we're supposed to learn a secret of greatness from the great Houdini, Annie said. Yep, said Jack. And we kept waiting for Harry to say or do something to make the ring glow, said Annie. Yeah, said Jack. But in the end, we learned the secret from Bess, not Harry, said Annie. You're right, said Jack. So I think Bess was the great Houdini that Merlin sent us to find, said Annie. Why do you think Bess was great, asked Jack. Well, she was kind and funny and friendly, said Annie. Yeah, said Jack, like you. Me? said Annie. Huh? She looked a little embarrassed. Well, also, she was a loyal person. She was loyal to Harry. That's true, said Jack. She was loyal like you are, said Annie. Me? said Jack. Yep, you came right back when you realized I needed help, said Annie, even though I made you really mad. Well, you were loyal too, said Jack. You didn't hold a grudge because I'd left you. Me? Loyal, said Annie, and kind and funny and friendly. You think I'm all that? Seriously? Me? Okay, forget it, said Jack, grinning. No, I'm going to remember all those things, said Annie, and the next time you're mad at me, I'm going to remind you how great I am, how loyal and kind and funny. Okay, okay, that's enough, said Jack. Bye! He took off running. He ran out of the Frog Creek woods, across the street, and down the sidewalk. Wait! Slow down! You can't escape from me! Called Annie. She ran after Jack as fast as she could and caught up with him before he reached home. 
the 